Hello everyone, I'm Casey Laughman, Editor-in-Chief of Food Engineering. Thank you for tuning in to the Food Engineering Podcast. My guests today are Tyler Cundiff, President, Food and Beverage Market, Gray, and Greg Powers, VP of Solution Architecture for Gray Solutions. We're going to be talking about pet food processing, specifically how pet food processors are adopting AI and robotics for maintenance and production. Tyler, Greg, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. And Tyler, I'd like to start with you to sort of frame this conversation a little bit. Um, can you give us a little bit of a sense of the pet food market compared to, you know, the, the people food market, for lack of a better term? Is it a market that tends to be a little bit more technologically advanced, about the same, or maybe a little bit behind with what's going on in traditional food and beverage? Um, I would say just as a general statement that the technological advancements in pet food manufacturing, you know, as compared to human food manufacturing is, is generally the same. Um, I know that great strides have been made recently, you know, let's say in the past five years to advance those technologies in the pet food manufacturing world, especially since a lot of the pet foods, um, you know, that are being made are a little more complex, a little more sophisticated. They include ingredients um, that can, you know, be challenging to deal with that are kind of similar to, um, you know, human food production with high protein content. Um, the desire to have, you know, high levels of traceability requires, you know, higher levels of automation and controls integration. So I, I, I wouldn't say um, that it's more or less. I would say that the pet food industry has made great, great strides recently to really come up to speed with some of the highest levels of technologies that are being used in the human food industry. Great. Thank you. And, and Greg, with that in mind, when we look at this from a standpoint of AI and robotics, you know, this is something that's been you know, becoming more and more critical to human food. Is that the same case in pet food? Are they starting to adopt some of these same strategies? Yeah, I think you're, you're seeing it, it's the same trend as the food industry that, you know, getting more advanced AI, um, especially in food. I mean, with some of the things that COVID trends and those things coming on, yes. So it's just as important. So the trends are, are about the same. They're heading in the same direction. Right, and you mentioned something really important there, which is with everyone struggling to adapt to the pandemic and all of the challenges it has created, a lot of processors are turning to things like robotics to help, um, you know, help keep employees safe, help cut down on the number of employees needed. And it sounds like that's a trend in pet food as well. I can tell you that, yes, that is, that is the, that's a trend overall in the automation scope of, of trying to automate processes um, it's in the food industry as well as, uh, you know, pet food industry. That is really driving because now that it, it was harder to get people to work and um, our, you know, getting the supplies we needed. So, it, yeah, it really changed the whole process around um, with the robotics, putting the robot in place when you can't get someone available to do that work in the, in the processing side. Yep. Right. And then are, are there typical areas of the process that pet food processors look at and say, okay, this is, this is where we should definitely be using AI and robotics. Is it kind of throughout the whole process or is there a specific part of it where it really makes sense to look at some of these solutions? 
Yeah, so so I see, you know, I, when you get into robotics, you know, at the palletization, that's been common trend. It's been done for a long time. You know, we've always had palletizer robots and things like that. Um, the, the way it's changed a little bit is in the different areas within, like, quality inspections. The robot with the vision systems can be better at, at picking out uh, quality defects and things like that. So it's really kind of, it's, it's, it's growing a lot. Pick and place is another area that it's becoming very common. Um, any type of grading uh, of a product it is very popular. So typically you would have someone there, you know, doing the inspections, but now you have the vision systems and the robots that actually take out bad product or at least look at and visualize the, the product um, and make better decisions. I think that's where we're at right now. So there's a lot of areas. It's more in the processing side versus what we've typically done on the packing and the palletizing side. Right. And you mentioned that, uh, you know, packing and palletizing has been around for a long time. And, you know, one of the interesting things about, about food production and, and pet food production is that you know, once it's in the box or in the carton or, or whatever, it, it can be treated like any other kind of product. It can be treated like, you know, auto parts or oil filters or whatever. But until it gets to that point, it's not necessarily a universal size and shape and all of that. So that creates some challenges when you're trying to automate that actual food part of the production process, doesn't it? Correct. Correct. So, and you look at the vision system, and I, I want to say robot and vision systems because it's important that the vision systems are just how well advanced they have come in the last few years have really changed the industry. The vision systems are the ones that are picking out those abnormalities. The robot is more in condition on maybe pulling the product off or, or doing something like that. But the vision systems picking out, you know, abnormal uh, food and looking, I mean, it could, they can pick out, you know, just the vision system are so strong, x-ray vision. They can pick out glass in, in food. They can do things like that, which has come drastically a long way than it was before. So it's really changing that industry. And the robot is just in place to actually um, react to that. So it, it's, it's really a combination of both of those things that have really changed the industry. Right. And, you know, in the pet food processing market the last few years, well, even longer than the last few years, there's been a huge trend towards people being willing to pay a little bit more of a premium for a higher quality product and things like that. And it sounds like um, these are good technologies to use for things like you said, you know, the, the vision inspection and things like that to make sure that you're getting the highest quality products. Yeah, people love their pets. So, um, and I think with COVID, everyone got a pet. So yes, and, and it's becoming important just as much to, you know, that the food that we're giving our pets is, you know, the quality of the food that we're, we're consuming as humans. Yep. Right. And that's a, that's another interesting aspect of the pandemic. As you mentioned, you know, everybody getting pets or, you know, unfortunately in the case of my daughter trying to talk us into getting a pet and, and not succeeding yet, but uh, it, it's, it's created a huge surge in demand for pet food for, high quality pet food, things like that. And at the same time, we're facing these staffing challenges that you touched on earlier of trying to get people who are available to work, um, you know, because of everything that's going on with the pandemic. 
So it sounds like it's really kind of these mutual forces sort of driving the industry more towards, okay, what's a better way to do this? What's a more efficient way to do this? How can we meet these demands that we're facing without having to rely on having a bunch of people available? Yeah, when, when the demand is high and the supply is not there and we have a labor shortage on getting people, what does that equal? That equals automation robotics, those are the things that they're focusing on because they realize, uh, I, I, so I, I have a St. Bernard that's 170 pounds that they told us we could only get a limited supply at the groceries of like six cans. That'll last me just a couple days. So the demand is was so high uh, and, and supplies were so low, it just because we couldn't get people to come into the manufacturing plant. So yes, yeah, so this is the outcome. Uh, to, to keep up with that supply, we have to put in the robotics. We got to do the automations. We got to do those kinds of things. So it, it's driving us this way. I'm just trying to wrap my head around the idea of a, of a 170 pound St. Bernard that, uh, that doesn't get its regular meals and <laughs> doesn't seem good there. So now is, is there, you know, we've talked about a lot of the areas where their pet food processors are turning to these technologies and, you know, seeing some success, but, is there part of the process that isn't ready for that yet or that you kind of see that maybe won't be ready for that or you're still going to need humans on the production line? Uh, so, it, 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 you know, I, I think, so this is my idea of, and when I get into a little bit of, I'm, we're going to talk about AI, I'm going to mention that, but when we're looking at some of these advanced systems, advanced automation, with AI and the advanced vision systems, I don't. It's not that I don't need uh, people out there. I need, I need to kind of take, I guess, the operator out of the decision process. The, the vision systems are so uh, so good now. They can detect so many things, and they can just take a lot of inputs and a lot of sensors and make better decisions than uh, the operator can. So operators there to really handle those exceptions that we come across. So that's where I kind of see it's still valuable, but having, uh, um, you know, automation, a robot or advanced um, uh, vision systems, making those decisions, having all those, they react quicker and uh, they, they just, they can respond. They can take more inputs and more values and make those kind of, advanced decisions that we need that maybe the operator can't make. So it sounds like maybe there's a need for more of a different skill set as opposed to correct or about the skill sets available as opposed to the total number of people available. Right. Right. So I think with, with that, you still have, I mean, uh, so you still need the maintenance people. You might need a little different types of people, you know, more in the um, advanced uh, electrical or process control type people that can troubleshoot those or, or mechanics and things like that. So it's you're going to need more of those and possibly less operators, but it, it's kind of that swing a little bit. Great. Okay. And then uh, Tyler, I'd like to bring you back in here for a second and talk about this from kind of a, a bigger picture view. You know, I know that uh, there are a lot of, there have been a lot of interesting, you know, pet food construction projects announced recently. So 
if at the construction and planning stage, are you starting to see pet food processors planning more for a more automated process? Or you know, how does that how does that go into the mindset of okay, we want to build a new plant, here's what we're going to need? Yes, I would say overall, um, overarching, uh, that is a, a theme. And there's a few reasons um, for that I kind of alluded to earlier. A lot of the, 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 pet, the capital investment that's going into the pet food and pet food manufacturing industry, um, we are seeing a lot of the, you know, call it uh, high-end type of uh, pet foods that, are, that have been growing. You know, everybody knows that, you know, the specialty pet food uh, providers are uh, th their products are premium. They're building manufacturing infrastructure to be able to meet the demands, um, the, the ever-growing global demand, actually. So these products can be challenging to make. You know, for instance, the, the, the high protein content. And uh, that's, I would say that's one area of, of the manufacturing facility that gets talked about is, okay, you almost have somewhat of a meat plant um, as part of your, your pet food production facility. And well, what can you automate there? You know, on, on, the, on some parts of the manufacturing, as Greg has alluded to, and in packaging, it's, it's maybe uh, lower hanging fruit to um, explore some cost-effective um, automation technologies. But on the meat side, it's a little more challenging. There's some, there's some um, you know, things some of our customers have, have had us look at um, that I wouldn't call automating the process. It may be more around uh, cleanability, stuff like that. Um, so, so on, you know, food manufacturing, pet food manufacturing facilities, yes, there's an interest in uh, how can automation help these customers? Certainly with the, um, you know, transparency that is, uh, required by consumers these day, these days, um, pet food manufacturers have to, um, you know, answer that call to the consumers and figure out ways to build transparency into the process. And one of the ways is through traceability from you know incoming ingredients through all the way through the the process and and out the shipping door in the package. So, um, you know, building in in systems that can um, automatically track and trace through, you know, if it's, uh, you know, barcode scanners and stuff like that, it gets a little bit beyond my technical knowledge to explain the details, but I know those are technologies that, that customers are thinking about and asking about how can we implement this to meet the end goal of being able to, uh, you know, trace their, in, tra uh, track and trace their ingredients all the way through. Right, and one of the interesting things about pet food manufacturing is that a lot of the big companies are, they're really still working with legacy plants. You know, we're, we're seeing, um, you know, some new construction with companies that haven't built a new plant for a long time. So the plants that they're, that they're working with now aren't necessarily what they would build now. Yeah, and a lot of that, um you know, there's new equipment technologies or the equipment that's available out there is a little more flexible to, um, to be able to apply, um, you know, high speed throughput, um, 
you know, automated high speed throughput through, through um, some of the various um, equipment that's available. So in some of these legacy plants, you know, different customers are looking at, you know, first and foremost, okay, we've got this plant. Um, how can we upgrade it to be more in line with uh, throughput demands, food safety demands, uh, traceability demands. So a lot of times they'll start with equipment and, and yeah, that could be, we see several projects where that needs to be retrofitted into the existing facility. Now, when you do that, um, obviously it, it may not be as um, intensive of a construction um, capital spend, but once you start implementing the equipment that really drives the, the requirements of how the facility needs to um, support that equipment. So obviously it gets into, uh, 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 you know, design efforts to uh, make sure that the facility is, is well thought out. Um, any, you know, upgrades are thought out to be able to allow that equipment to do what it, you know, is, is purchased to do best. Right. And Greg, to Tyler's point there, you know, if you're trying to retrofit something like this, you know, that creates some infrastructure challenges, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's some of the challenges because a, a new build, you, you would plan better. The process when you're trying to retrofit, it becomes a little harder to do that. So, and might not get the efficiencies that you really want. Um, so it's always a challenge on the process design. And Greg, we've talked a lot about the different applications of robotics here, but we haven't gotten too much into AI specifically. So, you know, one of the interesting things about AI is kind of everybody has an idea of what it is, but it means different things to different people. So what does it mean for pet food processors? How are they using it and how are they looking to use it in the future? So I just want to kind of give you an understanding of AI and how, so with and I, I focus on these advanced vision systems. Just think of your brain and, and just getting a lot of, I guess, uh, patterns and it, basically your neurons and the stimuli that you're receiving kind of drives how you make a decision. Think of, you know, these advanced uh, vision systems. They're just getting tons of that input, tons of those neurons, stimuli, and it's making these decisions on what it needs to do next based on all this input. So that's kind of where we're driving with AI. It's really sending in a lot of data, a lot of different inputs, and then that's how the decisions are made. So I think just seeing some of the, the things where abnormally, you know, things that are out of spec, food that's out of spec, kibble that's out of spec, getting that and putting that into that area where it can determine that versus, you know, you run, it runs some production for a half an hour and then you take a sample and it, it's not, not correct or it doesn't seem to be forming right. So with the robot, it can detect it quicker. The vision systems can detect it. So you don't, you can uh, adjust your process so it can add more water or whatever it needs to do to change that. So that's when we get into AI. And I, to be honest with you, we're already starting to use some of that technology. I think mostly in the vision systems, but it's, it's definitely, um, I, th I think the area that we haven't challenged is what I call unsupervised learning, where it's picking out those abnormalities 
outside the parameters given and then making decisions. So we're, we're a little ways off from that, but that's soon to come. So, but just kind of interesting how they're using it. Right. And that kind of ties back to your earlier point about, um, you know, sort of removing the operator from the process a little bit where, you know, the AI system can process all this data and make decisions based off of it, you know, much more efficiently than a human can. Yes. Yes. So it, it's quicker response. I think, I mean, so we can make decisions, but sometimes we're hesitant on making those decisions, you know, based on all the inputs where it's easier and quicker and for a robot to make those decisions or vision systems. So yes, it, it's there. Um, so, yep, those are the benefits. Okay. But then, you know, the one big challenge that comes to mind when I think through that process is you, you talked about the unsupervised learning aspect. But how do you put those parameters in place to make sure, you know, I, I don't want to get, you know, too paranoid, you know, about like Skynet or something like, that. <laughs> um, you know, how do you make sure that the system isn't, you know, overcorrecting or, you know, making decisions that, you know, might not be uh, the right decision for the context? So when you get, when you start up kind of this advanced AI it, it, it's how you train. It, it, it's you're setting parameters on what it needs to train on. So you're keeping, I guess, uh, control over where, what that is looking at. What parameters are you driving? Um, when you get an unsupervised, yes, that's falling outside of those parameters. That's why it really hasn't been, um, I guess, uh, picked up. But but w if we do it within the pa within those parameters then it can pick that up. It's not going outside of that loop. Um, so it, it's just when we get in the next phase, that's where I think the challenge is going to be. Right. Yeah, that sounds like kind of the, the next evolution of this is saying, okay, now we can put a system in place and trust it to make some of those decisions without, you know, yeah. outside of these generally defined parameters. Yep. That's Skynet, I think. <laughs> and we all know how that one ends. All right. Well, with that, that's all the time that we have for today. Uh, please join me in thanking my guest, Tyler Cundiff, President, Food and Beverage Market for Gray, and Greg Powers, VP of Solution Architecture for Gray Solutions. I'm Casey Lopman, Editor-in-Chief of Food Engineering. Thank you for listening to the Food Engineering Podcast.